Greetings from TG Geeks webcast where Ben and Keith, the two gay geeks, talk about all aspects of geekdom and nerdery. Sci-fi, comics, film, horror, genre, you name it, we talk about it. Find our episodes each week on TGGeeks.com. Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as Two Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the Two Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469-TG-Geeks. That is 469-844-3357. Happy listening. Peace. Cheers. like video games? Do you like music? Do you like video game music? Then join the Washington Metropolitan Gamers Symphony Orchestra on Twitch. Each week we feature a game the orchestra has performed music from. Our arranger guests will chat about their process, their inspirations, and why game music is so awesome. Check us out every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at twitch.tv slash WMGSO. Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 70 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm really excited to be rejoined by Rob from the Comic Box Podcast. How you doing, Rob? Good, good. With that ba 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 do ba da da ba ba do do ba ba da ba ba. I mean, so. Yeah, I, I do that on my podcast. You Sorry. do. It's like honestly the best. Uh, what are they called? Um, the the best bullets before segments ever. Yes, <laughs> in my any tra- podcast my, I listen to. My transition. I'm surprised I've kept it up for so long because we're on. I don't know. We're approaching episode forty or something. I think of uh, of the comic box, and yeah, that is the one consistent. The show has changed a lot since we started. It's changed a lot since the last time you and I talked. Really. Well, why don't we do that? Because we're not going to do the full interview. If anybody wants to hear your full interview, they can go back and listen to episode 42. But I definitely want to catch up and hear what's going on with the comic box and everything that's going on in your life now. So how have you been? Good. Good. Really good. Um, Yeah, the comic box has changed a bit. I got myself a co-host and my buddy Liam uh, is a friend of mine from college who's also a comic book fan. He, He doesn't quite keep up to date as much as I do. He's more of a... Give me something to read and I'll read it, probably. <laughs> um, sometimes he doesn't quite get uh, everything uh, read week to week, but it was really nice. It was it was me realizing that uh, trying to do a podcast on your own, as I'm sure you know, can be rather difficult. And uh, trying to um, get you know people to come on, I was kind of trying to do the, the same thing um, that you were and, and trying to find guests and stuff to come on and... Um, was just having a tough time trying to get uh, schedules to align. So I sort of made that decision. All right, I need somebody else that I know at the very least can ask questions 
you know, if I'm, I, I like to call myself the friendly neighborhood comic geek. Um, so then it gives me the opportunity to, to, um, have somebody else to bounce things off of, mm-hmm. um, and crack jokes with. And so Liam is, uh, an old hand at, at comedy. He and I were, um, actually co-hosts of a comedy television show back in, in college. Oh, wow. So it, um, yeah. So we go way back because we're old men now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the time just keeps marching on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so I got a, um, I got a co-host and then we've kind of changed formats a bit. I believe the last time I was on here, I was still doing this like week to week, you know, here's my poll list for this week. Here's what I read talking about all the comics I read week to week. And it became clear rather quickly that the best way to go about doing our show was to not do the week to week thing, because as as part of the, the geek to geek podcast network, a lot of my listeners started out as listeners of the geek to geek podcast, which right. is another geek culture podcast, but is like mostly video games. Like, in fact, their their comic book episode is their least downloaded episode of their entire show. <laughs> so, so maybe it, it was still a good idea, I think, to to add on a a comic book show to the to the podcast network. But it was realizing that um, a lot of my listeners aren't actual week to week comic book readers. They're more interested in like, for example, um, you know, Iron Fist came out this past week. So the week before I did a who is Iron Fist episode. We did that for Luke Cage and um uh, and then we'll do a review episode as well. But it's like prepping people of you don't really know comic books. So we're going to pick maybe a really big comic book story. And we're going to cover that this week just to sort of fill in the gaps in your nerd knowledge that might come in handy later on when you see, you know, the Justice League movie or um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and uh, and that sort of thing. And then we'll cover we'll still do news and stuff like that. Um, but we really pulled away from that week to week, here are the three comic books that I read this week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I've gotten really positive feedback from that. That's good. Yeah, it's it's always fun. Like, I, I am, am thinking this summer of going back and uh, working on some of my tags for some of my earlier episodes because I know that I am terrible about when I post the, the episode up on the blog, you know, putting in what was covered in that episode in the tags so that they get some, uh, some traction. And I'm just kind of cringing at the idea of going back and linking to episodes <laughs> two and three and four. Um, yeah. Just because I know it's like you do kind of as as time goes on, you find out what works, what doesn't, and uh, it, it makes a big difference. But it's kind of the the journey of the podcaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, and I suppose yeah, that would definitely sort of help your your SEO on the web end and uh, and get more people to you. But I don't know, I'd be tempted to just say forward, not backwards, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you can pull it from like your show notes from that week. Exactly. You know, I wouldn't bother having to go back and listen because you have so many. This is episode 70. Like, that's a lot. I know. It's kind of crazy. It's it's kind of crazy that that it has uh, been going on for 70 episodes at this point. I'm, I, I was thinking about that as I was typing in the new episode number. I'm like, I can't believe I'm on episode 70. Who would have thought? How does it feel? Um, Good. Good. I think it's, you know, we've made definitely made changes as time's gone on, too. We we don't do, um, we, we very early on decided the convent, upcoming conventions 
um, bit that we did at the end of each podcast was not necessary. So that went away real quick. And mm-hmm. uh, around the, the the end of last year, I think, I, I mentioned to the, the interwebs that I was considering getting rid of the, the news segment on here uh, just to kind of streamline the the entire interview process and shorten the, the length of the podcast. And, and you were one of the people that came in and were you know very positive about that that change ideas so yeah i like yeah i i you know just in the idea of the interview format it's sort of that idea of you know it can work because you almost think of it like a late night talk show Mm -hmm. they have that monologue at the beginning where they're throwing out jokes and they're basically warming you up as a viewer to what's to come which is the interview because there's always a chance the interview doesn't go well or the person isn't as interesting live you know as they are on screen or something playing a character but when it comes to doing the podcast yeah it's sort of that idea of like oh i'm really excited to listen to this and we struggle with that a little bit as well because we do um our our weekly geekery which is similar to your keeping it geek Mm -hmm. uh for the week segment where we talk about what we did that week and i got that from void and beach from the the geek to geek podcast where they tack it to the end of their podcast and i decided to try throwing it right up front as just a, this is me and Liam catching up for the week quickly, and we try and keep it short, it always ends up being like 20 minutes, because we just have to get off on some sort of tangent. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I like doing that sort of thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, because there's times I'm just so excited to, to you know, get to that interview portion um, that news is good, but if the news doesn't like specifically pertain to that guest, it was like, you know, you probably save yourself the effort because I know firsthand how much work it is to go and try and figure out which news stories are the biggest for your specific listeners. Right. For the week. Well, and, and one that the guest that sometimes I don't always have the, the background knowledge of who they are other than what you know, has been sent to me or what I know from, you know, their, their manager or, you know, what I think I know of them from their podcast. And so, you know, there's been plenty, there were plenty of news bits that I would say, and then this happened. Have you ever had experience with this? And they're like, nope. Yeah. Hey, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You kind of hit that brick wall. You don't get that, that joy of uh, sort of the improv acting of every, just say yes, Yes, you know, exactly. And move forward. (laughs) But yeah, I suppose that's true. You're like, yeah, so there's big political news and you're talking to, you know, um, um, what was it? Uh, a Fidian from Chikara Wrestling, you know, for example, that you uh-huh. had a couple of times. Not to say he's not a political dude. He totally might be. But the idea of you're like, I don't know exactly what news pieces would work here. And it's just it, it, it seems just so much easier and to really streamline things. Just be like, let's just get into it. Let's just start talking about, you know, what you do and what you enjoy and. Um, let the, the questions come naturally that way. I really like that format. And I think you do a good job at it too. Well, I've, you. I've really been, in, uh, enjoying the episodes. I, cause I jumped on maybe one or two episodes the first time that you, you got a hold of me to come on the show. And, uh, and I've been a faithful listener ever since. And I really enjoyed, um, for me, I don't know if there's another episode that'll come out before this one, but for me, the last episode was the, um, the indie comics publishers mm-hmm. that you had on. And uh, I got to listen to that when I went for a long walk. And that was just a really, really interesting topic for me, obviously, specifically. Um, because one of the things we have not done is had indie creators and stuff on our show to talk about the uh, the process of creating comics. 
And I think that's would be a, a thing that my listeners would absolutely love to know more about. Yeah, and I know I said it like ridiculous amounts of time on that episode, but I cannot stress enough how nice <laughs> Barbara Tillon is because she's the one who sent me all these um, independent comic creators. And like, it's one of those things where you open up their emails and you just you're just happy because you just know it's going to be positive and it's going to be professional. And it's just like they've surrounded themselves with just with such good people that I know anybody they send me is going to be a good interview. And, uh, and you know, they like, it, it seemed like a no brainer. Hey guys, come onto the show because obviously a, a big portion of, of these people's success is the, the way you guys work. So that was, for me, it was a very interesting, um, bit of information to get out there. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, thank you for for that feedback. I think that's awesome. It's, it's nice because sometimes I, you, I'm sure you know. Sometimes it feels like you're 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 working in a vacuum because you don't always get a lot of the feedback from from people out there. So that's correct. Yeah. Very much appreciate it. Anything else going on? What, how did you keep it uh, geeky this this week? So my uh, I kept it geek this week. My uh, <clears throat> excuse me. My weekly geekery, as as we call it, was very much Iron Fist. I um. I had to to do my best, and I succeeded in uh, starting on you know Saturday and going to Thursday when we recorded, of cramming in all twelve or thirteen. I think I said thirteen on my podcast. It, it might have been twelve episodes of Iron Fist mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to review, and it never occurred to me to maybe just review the first half, mm-hmm. and then I could have two episodes of Iron Fist reviews, and people probably wouldn't care. But I'm I'm me, so it's like, well, if I'm reviewing Iron Fist and I want to get it out there, um, <laughs> to really jump on it, and and part of that was talking to you, where you're like, oh, well, I like to have that review ready to go, um, as soon as I can with something new and that sort of thing, like when you do the the reviews with Ray and stuff, and yeah. um, and I was like, that's actually really smart. I was usually doing a thing where if I had a movie review or or something like that, that I would put it maybe a week out or so from the weekend that the movie comes out just because I wanted to give people time to see it in case they all don't go opening weekend, but then realizing the efficiency of, of doing it right away. And then it's like, they can let it sit in their feed. If they, you know, I did that with the Luke Cage review from uh, the fat man on Batman podcast, Kevin Smith's podcast, mm-hmm. right? I let it sit until I finished. Cause I didn't want anybody, um, affecting my opinion until I did my podcast. And since then I've read um, other people's reviews on our um, subreddit. So we kind of have this, this cool community of people and people were reviewing it like while I was still watching the episode. So I had to hold off and not, you know, comment and not actually engage with my audience. Uh, and then this past weekend, I was in St. Louis for a, Expo for haunted house attractions, like haunted attractions. Um, I'm a huge Halloween guy, and there is a haunted house association that, together with this company called Transworld, puts on this um, trade show mm-hmm. every single year. And I was invited to go um, by this haunt that I worked at for one year when I was down in Iowa, and uh, it immediately sort of became you know, like a second or, or third family just because everybody there is so welcoming. And uh, so I did some audio work for them, you know, in other years where I went down for just one weekend to help out. And this is their big thing every year because it's where they go and they meet people that make these high-end um, 
everything that you could think of. If you think going into a haunted house and what you might see in there or experience in there, this is a place where those people do it. It's from escape rooms to there's um, like zombie paintball is a big thing right now to uh, fake walls, to props, to sounds, to lighting, to to um, special effects, makeup and and high end masks. And so it was just this absolute blast of of seeing all of these things I can't afford. <laughs> but it was good. It was sort of a last minute decision to go and uh I'm I'm glad I did. So that I would definitely sit in a a geeky level of of activity for me in that I I love Halloween so much that even though I can't afford to buy any of this stuff, I just like going to see what was out there because I I love haunted houses and uh yeah, it was it was totally something else. I've never been to a trade show of that size. I've never been to a convention of that size. Like I know you managed to get tickets for uh, San Diego Mm -hmm. and um, I've never been to any, uh, this is probably the closest thing to that. And that is just row after row, after row, after row of tables and vendors and uh, different stuff that you can try out and and that sort of thing. Um, Here in Minnesota, we do have some larger conventions but generally the ones that I go to are, are the smaller ones. I don't go to like Wizard World here or anything like that. Or I guess I haven't yet. So I, I know what con fatigue is. Uh, <laughs> I know what con flu is. I yes. avoided it. But one of the owners of the haunt that I that I worked at had to spend most of the time in his room uh, or specifically the, the part with the toilet because uh-huh, uh-huh. he got con <laughs> flu. Um so I, I can finally say I understand when I talk to people about going to cons and just your head on a swivel and how if you hit it too hard, too fast, you are burnt out for the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. After like two hours of just walking around, you can get burned out. Well, it's funny because yeah, that's, uh, yeah, con cred is no joke. And that's actually why I didn't do a podcast last weekend because I was supposed to uh, record for um, uh, Void from from Geek to Geek was going yeah. to come on and talk to me about the, the Nintendo Switch because I'm still trying to decide if I want to get one or not. Mm-hmm. And um, and we had spent, and this is going to be a little bit of my keeping it geek this week, I had been at uh, a high school theater festival all weekend. Uh, every year I take m- my students to... Um, to Fullerton College, and they have a big high school festival there, and it's basically a theater convention. And so, you know, they're running around with thousands of other drama kids and watching each other perform and performing themselves. And, you know, Monday morning, they're all kind of walking around like zombies going, where's all the theater? <laughs> like, where, where's all the fun theater games? Where are all the people who like to geek out about theater? And I'm like, yeah, welcome to, welcome to the, the downside of the, of the convention hill. <laughs> So how does a how does a theater convention is it like vendors there selling props or engineers selling stage tech and then there's other shows or is it more like a competition where it's just in you know a big auditorium where there's just always some sort of performance going on or a panel or discussion or so, or something it's, like it's that It's actually a little bit more like, actually a little bit more like the latter but it's it's so big I mean I think literally thousands of students and dozens of schools go to this thing and so there's four hours of competition rounds on the Friday and four hours of competition rounds on um, Saturday. And every scene or improv group or we, we took a musical number there, uh, monologue, oh, cool. whatever, whatever you're doing, you're going to perform twice. You're going to perform once on Friday, once on Saturday. 
with the hopes of getting to the finals on Saturday afternoon. And we've been going for a while, but I always approach this kind of as a, you know, we're going to go have fun and we're going to go kind of enjoy the experience. But yeah. you know, setting the expectations that, you know, we're going up against performing arts schools, we're going up against schools with entire theater departments, and, you know, our school has me. So... <laughs> um, so you know we kind of we 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 the the standing plan is if anybody ever gets into um into finals of course we're all going to go mob that room and go watch that performance but otherwise we just go to the main theater during the finals and watch all the musical theater um finalists and uh and it's just kind of cool because the kids get to see what other schools are doing um and and I think my favorite thing about it is uh, the way my kids interact with other schools, because we're a very small school that's very, um, we don't have sports, uh, we don't have, we're, we're all very project-based learning and, and group work, and so we don't have a lot of the same clicks that a lot of schools do, and so we go to this thing, and it's just kind of another day, because my kids are like, you know, Theater is theater is just another thing we do on our campus. And you're mm -hmm. surrounded by all these kids where it's like this is the, one of the few times that they kind of can cut loose because they don't want other people to look at them weird at their school. Yep. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, there was this girl who from another school who who sang um, Christine from Phantom of the Opera. And oh, wow. Beautiful. Like I th she had a Juilliard T-shirt on when we saw her out of costume. And so we're, we're <laughs> kind of assuming that that's where she's headed next year. But um, but my kids, of course, see her from across the the street as we're getting ready to go back on the buses on Friday. And they go running up. They're like, Christine, Christine. They run up to her. Oh, my God, you've got such a beautiful voice. And the girl was kind of overwhelmed. She's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. And then they just start talking theater. And so it's kind of that that feeling of being surrounded by people that love what you love. And I think yeah. that's where the, the convention feel comes from it. Because yes. it's just walking around with a bunch of people that, you know, like singing and know the same theater games as you do, and, and we all had a we all had a real really good time. That's awesome, and yeah, I kind of know. I was a uh, I was a show choir kid in high school, so we would do the big weekend long competitions out of state and stuff, where you just go and you get to know other people because you know you're all there doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um. And I did a little bit of musical theater as well. We would do summer musicals where there were two high schools in my hometown and uh, they each had their own theater things going on during the year. And then in the summers, they would get together and do one big summer musical. Oh, that's so cool. I would do. Yeah, I never really did the, the theater. I did one play, um, but I was so busy doing show choir stuff. Um, but then I would do the, the summer musicals if I if I if my work allowed, I guess. Um but no, very much like and just seeing people being like, OK, you know that you can just strike up a conversation with any one of these people and you're probably going to get along. You know, uh, the at the the haunted house thing, I was trying to come up with a, a good term for sort of the fashion sense that you see. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know if it's goth carny or if it's because it's what they are. It's the people uh -huh. that run these haunted attractions. I was like, is it goth carny or is it it's kind of a rockabilly sort of goth hunk and i was like oh well it's just going to be to the there's the rob zombie al album hellbilly deluxe i'm like it's hellbilly <laughs> like that's that's perfect because it's sort of this mix of some people are or more of like an, an elegant goth thing some of them are just look like 
carnies, and I don't mean that offensively at all. It's just sort of that working look, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or people that are just dressed comfortably. It is a sea of black. Yes. Certainly. So when <laughs> Lots I, of when band I first, shirts, I'm sure. Yeah, so when I first got to town, I had flown into town and, and took the, the subway down to where the convention center is, and I was trying to, to get my bearings and figure out exactly where I needed to go, and I just saw, sort of saw the sea of black and, and you know, colored hair and tattoos and piercings coming towards me, and I was like, okay, so they're coming from the expo. I know which direction I need to go in now, <laughs> and I love that. I yeah, absolutely awesome. love that. That's very yeah. cool. Anything else, or was that? I mean, that, that, that's that's quite a bit. But is there anything else that you wanted to? Oh man, share? not for this this past week. I mean, I've been I've been doing my usual reading comics. I um I am I just got caught up on Invincible, which is the superhero comic written by Robert Kirkman, the guy that writes mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And just on the flight home, I finished reading the ten issues of the Overwatch comic book. No. Because I'm an Overwatch player when I have time, and um, there are ten issues. And if you have the Comicsology app, you can get them for free. They have a whole tab on Comicsology of, of free comics, and so there are ten. And each one of them sort of takes one character and tells a story. Sometimes it's sort of an origin story, or in the past, sometimes it's just a modern story that gives you some extra hints about the character. Um, and they're short, so it's kind of like the little animated vignettes that they had for for Overwatch mm-hmm. except in comic book form. Well, I'm going to have to check those out cuz I I have not played a lot of Overwatch uh recently, but I I definitely enjoy the franchise. I'm a huge Blizzard fan, so you yeah. know, that's right up my alley and especially since you're saying they're not too time intensive, it sounds like a a good thing. Yeah, they're just a nice a nice little snippet character study kind of thing where they throw the character into whatever situation and you get to learn a little more about them because Overwatch is certainly that where like it just showed up and here's all these characters and they give you that sense of there's this really rich backstory to this game mm-hmm. um, versus other games like if we're talking Blizzard like Diablo like you get in the first Diablo a lot of the story right there in the right. in the, the uh, cinematics so with Overwatch is like here's all these characters and you can just play the game and not know anything about who they are or what's going on because it's just a first-person shooter. But if you'd like, they're slowly building out this huge history of this, you know, kind of post-apocalyptic sort of or post-war world. And um, I found that really fascinating. I I originally told myself I wasn't going to dig into the the backstory because I'm the guy that'll do that. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. like I I started reading the the Diablo novels when they had uh, things coming out because I was a big Diablo fan. And... uh, yeah, I fall pretty hard into new worlds, I guess. I'm doing little finger quotes that you can't see because this is an audio format. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, when I get into they're, they're really good at, at at story, and I think it's great that they're doing that instead of, you know, I feel like with with Warcraft, which I haven't played in ages to get back to, but um I I feel like they build the story out, but they're they're in such a a crunch to balance the story with the gameplay. I really do like the idea that with Overwatch, they're like, we're going to have a really good game, but we're also going to have a really good story, and we don't have to rely on ones who drive the Right. And that's that's kind of, you know, um, part of the nature of, of MMOs as well, though. You know, I mean, they're going to have the certain types of pre-built quests that you can do, and then they're going to need to try and build the plot around those things, you know, in order to drive it. So, I mean, MMOs just naturally get really, really deep into lore 
and they're, they're constantly trying to make up new stuff that fits existing lore while still feeling new, and uh, I do not envy that challenge. No, not at all. Not at all. Very cool. Um, the only other thing that I've done recently is on Void's recommendation on geek to geek I I was listening to Adventure Zone for a while, and then I, I let it drop for a yes. couple of weeks as I was catching up on other stuff, and I am back into it full full throttle. Oh, just... me... Yeah, what episode are you on? Um, look or rather, what, what what story arc are, are they in? We're right? on the Suffering Game, and uh, I am on episode 53. So okay. I'm almost, I'm almost caught up to this this year, so I think I've got maybe 10 more episodes before I'm fully caught up. But You are just ahead of me, then. I'm on the last three episodes of the... Oh, what is the arc? It's the arc after the Crystal Kingdom, which I, I'm guessing is the one right before the one you're on. The 11th hour. Yes. So I have like three episodes left of the 11th hour. I did the same thing because it was on on Void's recommendation. And then you were talking about how great it was. And it was like, all right, fine. Sure. I'll fit another podcast into the, you know, my giant list of, well, I guess it's not that giant. Not compared to Void because he listens to it while he works and. I'm a writer for a living, and I can't write while listening to podcasts. No, absolutely but, not. But uh, we'll say the handful, I guess, of podcasts that I listen to. And yeah, Adventure Zone sucked me in hard, and uh, I've been binging that. You know, I, I don't have the same a type of commute that you do. My commute's more like a 20-minute drive, uh-huh. uh, so I can a drive there and a drive home, and I've, I've generally knocked out an episode of the Adventure Zone. Um, so, Awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a lot of fun, and if you're if you're nearing the end of the eleventh hour, I uh, there were feels. Oh were wow! Feels. No okay. spoilers, but I mean, just like uh, Griffin's storytelling is so good. Yeah, it's just so good, and he makes you care about these NPCs and these characters that you really have no business caring about because. It's not like he spends all this time developing. I mean, he, there is a little bit of character development, but, you know, they're just NPCs. But the way he handles it and the way he makes them uh, interact with the players, you you just you just get the feels. If it's, you know, you, you get swept up in the emotion he's trying to create. I really envy what he's doing with it. Yeah, and now you're you're also working on something to do a live play podcast as I'm... well, right? So are you are you aiming to go for that same level of emotion to it or are you looking to do something where it's it it's more about the having fun or being stupid kind of thing no i think i and and i was thinking about that while i was listening because i have been listening to them very closely about how how he does it and and what what i like about that show because that was kind of the one that was like i've listened to these before but i i this is i want to i want to get one of these out there mm-hmm. um i think for me i just want to tell a good story and i'm a little concerned that it's not going to be goofy enough to, well, to hold an audience, and that's 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 the only that's the only thing I'm concerned about is you know I'm not going for goofy. I think there will be humorous moments, mm-hmm. but I'm going kind of for more mysterious. You know, trying to solve the puzzle. What's exactly going on here? You know, I, ideally, in a in in an ideal world, I would want people to be approaching it like everybody approached Lost, where it's like, what is going on here? Sure. But I I don't know how that would work in an audio actual play podcast. Well, I have to believe that that's going to completely come down to your cast of uh, participants Mm -hmm. and the characters that they decide to create and play. Because it's sort of like I'm a fan of of Tenacious D, Mm -hmm. right, for music. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And 
if you just listen to the music that I'm assuming mostly is is on the Kyle Gasses and um, just the music without the lyrics, it's it's pretty good. It's decent. It's very catchy. Um, and then you lay on the lyrics on top of it that are completely ridiculous and it's something else. And, and similarly with the Adventure Zone, if you just looked at the plots and the NPC interactions, it is a much more serious, while still fun, because it's things like the Mad Max thing or, um, you know, some of the other fun uh, themes or adventures and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's the characters being stupid, the actual player characters, the PCs are the ones that are injecting the humor into it. Because the storyline itself is pretty serious. You know, I mean, you take the Crystal Kingdom thing, like, that was a pretty serious storyline of everything is turning to crystal and people are dying. And, you know, I guess not to to spoil things, but the the one character's connection to his family and and. You know, that was all very serious stuff. It's just you throw a bunch of idiots at a very serious situation, and that's sort of the essence of, of comedy. Yeah, that's you know, what creates is, the comedy for them is just I, – and I love how, like, you can hear that moment pause where they're using, like, in this serious, serious moment, and then usually Travis is the one who goes. And then Magnus does something stupid. Yeah, or – you can just hear Griffin go, I'm sorry, we weren't listening. Yeah, could you, exactly. Could you repeat that, please. And you just hear that pause, and the, all right, we're going with this, and he <laughs> yep. just goes with it, and it just makes this amazing storytelling mission so cool. Yeah, so I think if you are worried about about the it being funny or engaging at all, don't like just you tell a good story with with some great twists and some great puzzles. And then just be willing to say yes, no matter what happens. Draw back on uh, improv training from so many years ago. (laughs) That's right. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, speaking of actual play podcasts, I've got a a quick little promo for for one that's newly minted. Calling all Dungeons & Dragons fans, if you like actual play podcasts, then I urge you to check out a new one. It's called You Meet in a Tavern, starring a halfling monk with a Napoleon complex, an honorable human paladin with an arsenal of horrible impressions, and an animal-loving half-elf druid whose bonds are covalent and mortgage-backed. We're four twenty-somethings with dull jobs by day, letting our inner nerd kid shine through our first-ever D&D 5th edition campaign together. Come listen to our quest on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at YMIA Tavern. That's You Meet in a Tavern. Because every good story starts in a bar. Cool. Yeah, I've I've given it a listen, and and they're they're a fun group. Um, we're actually going to have the DM of uh, of you meet in a tavern on next week. Cool. And we're going to talk about he's he's going to I think I think he's going to be the the final nail in the coffin one way or the other as to whether I do this actual play. I'm I'm going to pick his brain for for how he's doing it and how he's going about it and 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 see if that's that's the final impetus to to push me you know, off the ledge and, and make me make that decision. Oh, that's interesting. I look forward to listening to that. Well, let's let's move on to why we are here today, and that is because you and I have marathoned Iron Fist, and yes. we, are, we are ready to, to tell the world what we think. Yes. Did you get all the way through as well? I got all the way through, and oh, I do have to do... Thank you. <laughs> I do have to do a... a Shout out to my husband and my in-laws. My, my in-laws are staying with us Tuesday. They got here in late February, and uh, they have, you know, they knew I had this podcast today. They knew I had a week to get through the uh, the the series, and so they watched it with me 
every night, <laughs> and I appreciate their sacrifices. I, I can add to that, yeah, as well, of, of my wife, who on our show we refer to as The Wife, mm-hmm. because that is my, my nickname for her, which is its own side thing of how our nicknames is simply wife and husband for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, of the same thing. She's like, I think you don't realize how much time you actually put into your podcast. Like, it's not just hanging out with your buddy for an hour every week and recording. Right. You know, it's like, no, and certainly not this week because no. it was the, it's like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym or whatever. I'm like, I, I gotta, I'm watching Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, is it good? I'm like, you know, and she's like, well, then I'm glad you're making a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> About uh, it, well, but, well, let's let's do yeah. what we do in education and try and make it a a a feedback sandwich and start with the good. Yes. <laughs> what did you What did you enjoy about it? I liked the majority of the cast. I liked, um, I suppose, what's probably considered the one big spoiler in the show. Are we Are we doing like spoiler free opinions and then launching into spoiler territory, or should we just assume that from here on out? We're we're all spoilers. Let's put the spoiler warning right here, guys. If you haven't watched it and you're planning to, then pause us until you're done. Okay. So right. in full spoilers, I liked the the hand plot twist. I liked the plot twist that Colleen Wing had always been a part of the hand. I mm-hmm. really liked the uh, dichotomy between Bakudo and Madame Gao. Right. As far as the sort of villain shift in the show. Of the guy, you know, that's trying to convince you that it's more um, ideological than it is just the physical. You're doing bad things, so I'm going to come and punch you in the face. Sort of the daredevil, you know, punisher kind of approach. Right. I really enjoyed that. And that might be it. I liked <laughs> <laughs> I liked Davos and I liked Bakudo. And um, and uh, uh, Claire Temple is always fantastic. And so is uh, Jerry Hogarth and all obviously all of the the actors and actresses that play those roles. So there was, you know, I would say our main, main characters I was not as much a fan of. Um, But while we're talking the good, I think there's some really good performances in here. And I think um, some of the plot stuff that they had was well done. And I'm trying to say that very measuredly because everything that I'm saying, my brain is throwing out the five things I want to say that aren't positive about the good things. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So what about you? What did you like about the, the show? Yeah, I'm right there. I think I think the actors did what they could with what they had. So I don't mm-hmm. think that there's any performances that you can just be like, well, you, you weren't good. I thought, the, I thought the performances were awesome. I love the character of Madame Gao. I think she's just... Like, I want to know so much more about her, and I just enjoy that actress and what she does with the role. It's very compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not... Uh, let me say, the, the the plot twist that you said about the, the Colleen being part of the hand and, and that whole it's not black and white, there are shades of gray in it, really, I think, was good, but it, it didn't go as far as I hoped it would. Yeah. And um, I think... Just kind of developing the hand plot a little bit was was a very positive thing. I I just and, and that's I'm I'm having trouble coming up with other good things that you have not already covered. <laughs> I know, right? So so on that note, why don't we just cut to the chase and talk about what we didn't like the show. Um, so uh, to start, I will say that uh. 
Liam and I recorded an episode, so it's it's out there now, our Iron Fist review. And uh, it took me quite a while to cut it down to size. It was about two hours, oh, wow. and very little of it was positive. Uh, and I managed mm-hmm. to cut it down to about an hour and a half. So I will not go into as much detail because we really dug in to every character and, and you know, um, each of the – so with all these Netflix shows, each one of them sort of has several mini arcs within it where the first two episodes or three episodes is its own sort of self-contained story and then there's the whole, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they – I like them using that format versus a like monster of the week kind of thing. I think with the nature of Netflix and how we like to binge shows on Netflix that it is harder to sit through 12 episodes of a monster of the week format. Right. So I like that they that uh, Netflix, as far as the Marvel shows are are concerned, have figured that out. That said, my biggest thing with it is um, sloppy writing or rather just poor overall narrative and narrative structure and holes and where they introduce elements that never get followed up on or things where um, like it if it's meant to be a character driven piece, I feel right. Mm -hmm. But they don't keep their characters consistent and they don't write their characters smart. Now, that's not necessarily true across the board. I like the way Davos is written. I love the way Jerry Hogarth is written. Um, Danny Rand is written very poorly. He is inconsistent throughout the whole thing um, because half the time they're saying he's he's like sort of a, a Zen guy. The other times he's petulant. You know, they're trying to write him as angry, but it comes across as immature or they're trying to write it as immature. It's just it's very inconsistent, and yeah, there's these no things... consistency at all. No, and it's it's and then when when common sense doesn't exist, I give a pass when it comes to something like uh you know teenage slasher movies where they just do the dumb thing and you're like, well they're just panicking, so we'll give them a pass. Mm-hmm. But the idea of you've had 15 years to think about how you're going to reintroduce yourself. And I'm sure the thing you just want to do is go find your friends and say, hey, it's me. But the idea that in every single one in those early episodes when he's having those conversations in your head, you are forming what he should be saying right now. Mm-hmm. And he never does. He mm-hmm. just won't say anything. They're like, where were you? And he's like, it's me. And you're like, that's not what they asked you, dude. You could just say, I survived and people found me. But we were out in the middle of nowhere. So it took years until I was able to figure out how to get home. Like, that's it. Right. And then you're like, let's try and do some sort of test so you know that it's actually me instead of like getting upset and angry because they started showing it like he's this guy and there's this fire inside of him and he's always on edge. And I'm like, okay, all right. And then they don't really stick with that. Right. You know, or they talk about it. He's like, I need to I need to recharge my cheese so I can use the Iron Fist again. But then he can just do it in other episodes just fine. And I, it's, there was so much that didn't work there. And then with overall narrative structure, I kind of – the episodes I liked the most were obviously the last couple of episodes. But those last couple of episodes could have been episodes like three, four, and five. Right. And then they could have really dove deeper in and developed better their characters. Basically, I wanted this to be a cross between – the Iron Fist character on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, who's like this yoga, you know, super, super chill dude, except mm-hmm. when he's fighting, and and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Because Davos is Faith, you know, he's the opposite number to, to Danny Rand, um, who embraces sort of the job that 
for the most part, they both consider they have, you know, Danny Rand is the chosen one, the Iron Fist. But they both were like, we both were raised to do this exact same job, you know, and he has the other characters that know different things. You know, Colleen Wing, who has the samurai thing going on, is basically I like his willow, I guess. Right. You know, and they could have built this little Scooby gang and that would have made Iron Fist different from every other Marvel show. Mm-hmm. Uh, their action was terrible um and not edited well as a guy with a film degree coming from a a tv background it was not cut very well at all and there's reasons for that i mean void even talked a little bit about it on the geek to geek podcast because he's also a video guy that's how we uh, know one another and he's like i get it if it's a stunt actor you need to cut fast so you don't see their face and that sort of thing but they don't they didn't they didn't do a good job i guess well, i i i don't have a film degree my my degree's in theater but um i at the school i teach i run a um one of our projects is they have to make a 5 minute film uh based on frankenstein and cool. we have a film program that they work on and i i do the the screenplay end of it and then they the teacher helped with the editing but uh, when i first started teaching there i had to kind of teach the the film class as well and you you know you pick up things you've got five minutes kids so where can we edit to to cut down the time you have people walking and you have people walking a lot so let's take those out because we get it if they if they exit a door and then they end up somewhere else we we get that they've moved from point a to point b right the first episode i was like oh my god why are they showing so much walking like, what is this accomplishing? This isn't building suspense. It's not establishing place. It's not It's not doing anything other than showing them walking. And that was the first indication to me that we were going to have problems. Um, and as you said, the characters weren't consistent. Um, uh, Claire, uh, when, she, when she invited herself to their, like, not a date date, I was yeah. just like, this is awkward. And it's not <laughs> something I think Claire would do. Claire would be like, oh... You guys have a moment. I'll talk to you later, Colleen. And she would walk. But it was it was the writer's excuse to have her involved in the conversation. Yes. And, and there was so much of that in this yeah. show. Of it's, it's happening because they need it to happen for the story. And it's like, that's no, you're you're making an argument and then finding the facts that support your argument. That's not do the facts first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what would if it's character driven, what would the character do? Absolutely. And I, I didn't. I, I didn't like the characters. I didn't care about the characters. If I had to see another Joy Meacham monologue, <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna jump out a window. <laughs> like I just didn't care. You know, it was it was a lot of tell and not show. Yeah. Um. And and I was looking for this was the one I was looking forward to the most. Not that I have that big attention, uh, you know, attachment to Iron Fist, but I I just felt like this is so much different than any of the other characters that they have so far i i want to see what they do with it it's exciting i liked his dynamic with luke cage in heroes for hire in mm-hmm. the comic books i wanted to see and, and i think maybe that's the case i think that and, and i don't know how much experience you have with iron fist outside of the um series but to me anytime i've seen him and enjoyed him it's always been with luke cage and i i think Without that dynamic, it's very hard to revamp something that was created in the 70s and just just outdated. Yeah, and that was, I think, another issue they had is I was trying to figure out if they were trying to take themselves seriously or not. 
Mm-hmm. Like, are you trying to pay homage to the Kung Fu movies of the 70s or or like the 80s ninja American, you know, where it's sort of that cultural appropriation, American ninja, uh, you know, 80s action film sort of things. Like, are you trying to pay homage to these? Are you meaning to for it to be a little campy and a little, you know, everything is just so blown out and extreme or are you actually trying to make a serious show about a Kung Fu guy? Because I, it felt like somewhere in between, which I think just meant they were trying to do the Kung Fu angle and they just weren't doing it well. Yeah. Uh, so, so let me ask you this then, because I was wondering this, my experience reading iron fist is usually as a background character in larger stories, or like I said, there's the, the cartoon iteration. And then for our prep episode, we read the first volume of the immortal iron fist run. That was written by Ed Brubaker and, um, um, oh no, I just blanked. The guy that did <laughs> the Hawkeye run with, with David Aha. Um, I'm terrible at, at, at creator names. Yeah, but in any, in any case, um, so we, we did that and that was sort of the book that sort of updated their, uh, the character's history a little bit and created this lineage of previous Iron Fist. But what I am, I am wondering about then is, is if you know them more from the Heroes for Hire stuff and the, and the Luke Cage or Power Man and Iron Fist series, do you see the way that Netflix has created Luke Cage and Iron Fist? Is that going to mesh at all like they do in the comics? Like, are you, do you see them turning into good buddies when we get the Defenders? Um, I almost feel like it's going to be Luke Cage taking Iron Fist under his wing because Luke Cage is very streetwise. He knows how things are. He's been, you know, there's rodeo. And when they do finally join up, I think there's going to be a lot of naive comments by Danny Rand and then, you know, kind of eye rolls from Luke Cage. And I don't think that that's the dynamic. I'm looking for. I don't think it's the one that, okay. and I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I just, I can't, I can't see it because I'm trying to figure out what he's going to have to bring to the defenders at all because he's just a dude that punches hard. We already got those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. And it's just, I didn't care about his personal story. No, not at all. And and I always see I always see Iron Fist as when he's paired with Luke Cage as kind of the hey we're gonna go do this thing and Luke go really are we making money off of it what's the deal how's this right. how, how's this gonna work and no no don't worry about it we'll figure that out later let's just do this this is gonna be great and you know kind of the the idea guy behind he's like he's he's the bad influence friend but not in a, a negative way he's the we're gonna go do this and we'll figure out the consequences later it'll be fine and, right and i uh, suppose i suppose there was a little bit of that in the danny rand in this show of him just acting on impulse yeah but it was always it was always angry impulse it was yes. it was never it was never okay we got this well how's it gonna work yeah we'll figure it out you know there wasn't that improvisational we'll we'll handle it when we get there don't stress about it just be zen dude just like he should have that just kind of just chill it'll be fine it'll all work out yes yes and he didn't have that at all every time he started having his little like psychotic breaks with the weird streaking flashbacks oh the other thing next to joy meacham's um monologues the next thing i did not want to ever see again was his mom getting sucked out of the air like if i had to see that scene one more time i was gonna be like really we saw it. She, she yeah. sucked out of the airplane. Move on. And just um, the idea of they hinted for a second when when Madame Gao mentions his father. And I was like, yes, please give us because I don't know if you're aware of the, the character's backstory. His father was supposed to be the Iron Fist. 
No. Like, his father was actually raised in Kunlun, and then uh, when Danny got picked up by them was... Uh, it's in the comics. It's every ten years is when mm. you can get into the Kunlun, and and so I love that idea that it wasn't the American who's lost and taken in by monks and trained in. And I'm doing my finger quotes here when I say this: the Orient, you know, that sort of classic tale mm-hmm. um, of of Americans traveling east and learning special powers because we're racist and think mm-hmm. if you're not us, you're magical. <laughs> um, but in in the comic books, it was revealed that it was actually his father who had been raised in Kunlun and was going to be the Iron Fist, and then he decided to return home to New York, and then he got married, and he had uh, Danny, and then he decided nine years later to bring his family back when the opening, when he was able to access Kunlun again, and then they ran into an accident in the the peaks of the Himalayas, and both of Danny's parents were killed, and then he was taken in as a nine-year-old. But I loved the idea of that legacy, the idea that, you also have something to prove because it's not a Batman story of right. my parents are dead and now I need to get revenge. It was the idea that it was never it's the clerks thing. You weren't even supposed to be there today. You mm-hmm. know, this wasn't supposed to be your job. It was supposed to be somebody else. And I loved that idea. And I kept looking for those sorts of things, the stuff that I that I had read or I did this massive amount of research on Iron Fist, you know, reading a bunch of different wikis and stuff. And there was so much cool stuff in there that I thought would really set the character apart, and we didn't get any of that. No. It, it was just lots of missed opportunities, I guess. And, yeah, and, and I'm a little worried about yeah. the jarring the jarring transition that they're going to have to make if they want to try and get that Danny Rand character into Defenders. Like, if yeah. they want, like it's going to be like, who is this character? Because this isn't the character that we saw. You know, they're going to have gonna be a, to mature him a lot. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's going to either be a very painful transition or <laughs> it's going to be completely out of the blue. And I don't think either is going to be good for the character. No. But, I, you know, a lot of TV shows and film series and stuff are responding, for better or worse, are responding to fan criticism. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to have to try and make that effort to sort of redeem the character in the eyes of the fans, you know, and I mean, a big part of it is on Finn Jones and people being like, I just don't buy you as a dude who knows Kung Fu. Um, and I think you're overacting, you know, mm-hmm. or, or like with, with Ward, for example, uh, while we were doing the podcast, I was talking about this guy just overacting literally everything he's doing. And Liam is looking it up and he's like, he has two daytime Emmys for soap operas and like everything fell into place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you understood exactly because soap opera acting is it's a different style of acting from other television. Everything you do is super accentuated. It's like stage acting. Yeah. You know, the the little moments don't show up unless somebody's watching really, really carefully. Whereas with film, you can go super close up with people. But everything is has to be super dramatic over the top in soap operas. Um, but yeah, I, I do not know. I do not know how, how the Defenders are going to come together. But I guess that's also a good thing, right? I, mm-hmm. I shouldn't know exactly how it's all going to come together. Well, and and moving forward and talking about what is going to happen as we move towards event uh, defenders, which I'm very, very excited about. Like, I think that's the thing I've been, <laughs> I stuck with Iron Fist for two reasons. One, today's podcast. <laughs> yep. yep. And, and two, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up for defenders, so I want to see where it goes. But, um, so, so little things that I've got questions about. So, Claire took the, the, I guess it's cat claws is the only thing I can 
think of uh, calling mm-hmm. those weapons I, I, kind of reminds me of Hellcat, which is yes. a character from Jessica Jones. Well, the the person who should become Hellcat is from Jessica Jones. Is right, that going to happen? I'm hoping so. Um, I believe, if I remember correctly, in one iteration of the team, Hellcat was actually a member of the Defenders, which almost every other character introduced in these Marvel Netflix shows is not. No. So they're really just taking the, the name Defenders. Right. Um, originally in the comics, the Defenders were actually um, a team that got together to fight supernatural threats. And it was like Doctor Strange and uh, the Silver Surfer and Ghost Rider in, in one version of the Defenders and and Namor and uh, uh, the Hulk for some reason. And was then also evolved into like like the Beast and Iceman and Friends was, I think, the next iteration, wasn't it? I'm trying to think if the Beast was a member of the Defenders. He he very well may have been. They've done several different teams of it, but it was initially the concept was an anti-team of loners mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. normally never work with other people, and so they only get together when they absolutely have to kind of thing. And I do like that for the most part they've set that up here. Yeah. Um, I, I, I would love to see Patsy Walker show up and and play that role. I would love to see uh, Jessica Jones be on the sidelines, but not actually join the team as a superhero because it's antithetical to her character mm-hmm. of hating superheroics and never wanting to get involved in superheroics. Uh, in the the comic, the history, well, I guess uh, there is one scene where they kind of show her in the original costume, if I remember right, from Jessica right, Jones. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but the idea that she was a superhero named Jewel, who was an Avenger and hated it, and um, decided she would just rather be a normal person and I don't care if I have superpowers, like I'll use them when it serves me, but I'm a normal person now, please leave me alone. Yeah, and I love how Madame Gao mentioned Daredevil and Luke Cage Mm -hmm. multiple times, but always never said anything about Jessica Jones. The only mention of Jessica Jones was Joy saying that she hired a, a detective it was really good when she's not drunk. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so I see where they're tying in, and I think that that would be a really cool angle to go if you know everybody knows about about the big three, and Jessica Jones kind of surprise, surprises the big bad because they just aren't aware of her. Right, and it, it seems clear that the hand is going to be the big villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see if there's still... Some, if there's the idea that maybe Bakudo survives, I would love the idea of infighting within the hand as well. Because the one thing these Netflix shows have done in every case is splitting the attention of the show between the hero and the villain mm-hmm. in order to draw that dichotomy um, and, you know, similarities when possible as in order to make their meeting more impactful. Yeah. And and I think they've done a decent job with Madame Gao, though I am infuriated to no end of the idea that in Daredevil, she lays down this, like, you know, flat-palmed kung fu punch that knocks him across the room. And then in this one, she I don't even think she touches him. Like, clearly it's some sort of magical force push. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a Sith or whatever, and force pushes uh, Danny Rand across the room, and then nobody ever says anything about it ever again. No, and I found that so frustrating. Like, are you introducing her as a mystical character? Are we going to find out that there's a character in the Immortal Iron Fist run that's the mother of cranes, which made it so weird when he said that they were the order of the crane mother, because that's 
so I, I just don't understand. It's like they, they opened a comic and put a finger on a page because it doesn't make sense and it doesn't, I, I don't know. It was so weird for them to say the that. Back, the backstory in the comic. Yeah, because the, the, well, the idea is they have the, the dragon, mm-hmm. right? Um, Shu Lao the Undying or Shao Lao the Undying or, or whatever it is. And then you find out that there are other holy cities. There are seven of these heavenly cities that exist. And the leader of one of the other cities is the um, the mother of cranes or whatever. And so she has these like female assassins that can turn into cranes. Mm-hmm. And in the comics, this isn't, I assume, not going to happen in the future. The spoilers is she takes on as her champion uh, Davos, who in the comics is known as the Steel Serpent. And basically looks just like Iron Fist, except on his chest, he has the snake without the wings. So he has the incomplete dragon okay. that Madame Gao uses as her symbol on the heroine. Okay. Um, obviously, I don't see that happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's why when they said they were part of the, the order of the, the crane mother or whatever, it, it was so confusing to me. But we have the idea that Madame Gao has been in um, Kunlun. Mm-hmm. Because she mentions, you know, being there. So maybe if the idea is maybe she is this really ancient, because she also threw out some references to how old she is of her actually being ancient. I would love it if the reveal is she's the crane mother. Right. Um, And so she is the person that their order is named for. So maybe you find out that even though this was a uh, an organization that was brought up to destroy the hand, which obviously isn't from the comics either, but fits this narrative is maybe she created them as a way to wipe the slate clean if her work with the hand didn't work out or if she started to lose control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm very interested to see how that's going to, to move forward. And I guess if that were the case, then maybe we will actually find out what happens to Kunlun and stuff. I just assume we're not going to get an Iron Fist season two. I don't no, see. I, I, I can't imagine they're going to make an Iron Fist too because it was just so sloppy. Right, and, but they have the dangling plot threads of Joy meeting with Davos and of Kunlun disappearing and the Hand people that are dead at the entrance mm-hmm. to Kunlun. So who knows? Yeah. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I don't know. Wrapping up, is there anything that you can think of that we haven't covered that really just needs to be brought out? Um, we haven't talked at all about Harold Meacham. That's I, true. I, I think that's fine. <laughs> I yeah I was gonna say if we're able to talk about the show as a whole without really bringing him up, um, the way I looked at it is here's so if I have a final thought on the show it's that if I step back and I strip out the bad writing and I strip out the narrative issues and I just look at it as like our two big stories is basically basically this corporate drama with the Meachams and then Danny Rand's whole uh, side vigilante you know trying to figure out what happens to his parents, except not really. I'm not going to get into it. His his motivations make no sense. Um, The whole Meacham thing is actually kind of interesting, objectively. The idea that you have this father figure who faked his own death and has somehow become immortal, and then these two siblings that uh, care about nothing in this world so much as one another, and that the one is slowly losing his mind and going insane because he keeps seeing his father turn more and more vicious and more and more uh, inhuman with every action. And so he's turning to drugs because he just can't confide in the one person he wants to confide in like that to me is in itself interesting. Mm -hmm. And then joy is drawn poorly, but with shades of gray, like she's digging up dirt 
on everybody else on the board just in case. But beyond that, she's shown as like a more virtuous character, like she's willing to do the things she has to do for the company because she's been pushed to do those things by her brother or by her father via her brother kind of thing. It's just in practice, it doesn't work. And it's a really poor, um, uh, a really poor uh, companion to Danny Rand's story. Yeah, the the two stories were did did not blend well. Like right. it was like you could either have the vigilante story or you could have the business story. Neither of they were both very clunky and they did not blend together at all. And yeah. um you know, I would almost have preferred like, you know, resolve one storyline in the first six episodes and resolve the second storyline in the last six episodes and be done with it. Yeah, because Danny Rand's involvement in any of the corporate stuff was fairly inconsequential. Like, he went in and said, we're going to do this thing, and then they had to figure out the press reactions. But that just as easily could have been anybody else making a bad decision or, you know, something else happening, I guess. It was more like he was just shoved in there. It didn't felt as organic. Plus the whole idea that he shows up and he's like, oh, why aren't we doing good things with our money? That's good. I know nothing about business. This makes sense. Bye. Yeah. And and it was frustrating. Um, well, I, I guess I just don't understand. Yeah. I guess I just don't understand how with you know. I think the first four Netflix series were really strong. I mean, you know, I like them in different levels, but I think my order right now is Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Daredevil One, Daredevil Two. That would that would be the order. I'd, wow. Um, okay. And uh, and I think part of that is with Daredevil Two, I I wasn't fully invested i was watching on my own time i didn't watch it because i knew how violent it was going to be so i didn't i didn't subject my husband to that you know, he, he he travels along with me on this journey but he's not i didn't want to sub- subject him to something that that was that rough and it turns out i honestly right. thought that the violence in iron fist was more unnecessary than the daredevil scene. um but you know i wasn't i wasn't terribly invested so I, I I don't know that it's very fair that I put that last, but it just wasn't it 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 didn't vibe for me. But all four of them I felt were very strong, and I just don't mm-hmm. understand how this one fell through the cracks. I feel like somebody who could put together something like Luke Cage or Jessica Jones wouldn't be able to look at Iron Fist and go, mm, "This has got problems. Let's be clean." Right. Well, I mean, it's important to note that you know the the Marvel Cinematic Universe has Kevin Feige sort of at the wheel guiding everybody and again that's also for better or for worse because a lot of people joss whedon didn't want to keep making movies because he was sick of marvel telling him what to do mm-hmm. um edgar wright left ant-man because of of creative control issues uh but beyond that it's important to to recognize that even though it says netflix and and marvel on it it's not necessarily at all the same groups of people and it feels like this was a thing that had to run through lots of rewrites mm-hmm. like they were trying to sort of do a daredevil thing where you had the kingpins. Well, with the kingpin, it was kind of a rise to power thing, but it was almost a corporate drama on the kingpins end with the whole mob story. Right. Because it was that same, where is the power in our organization and that sort of thing, and we're doing horrible things to keep ourselves in power. Um, and I think they were trying to do that, but clearly this was meant to be more of an ensemble show than any of the others, where it was meant to be him and the people he was surrounded by, or maybe that's just in my mind is that's what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it became clear, like you can usually forgive the first couple episodes because they're trying to find their footing and figure out how to introduce you to a character they assume you know nothing about. Um, but for me, it was that hallway fight scene that all these shows kind of have where 
when I talk about it on, on my show, I simply say you have the daredevil one where he's exhausted and just keeps going because that's his thing. And he's just beating all of these people to get through this hallway to rescue this kid. You have the Luke Cage version where he rips off the car door and just walks down the hallway and just walks through everybody. And it's just that's all you need to know about the character is you could watch these hallway scenes and you would get it. And in this one, he just kind of fights his way through sort of and does kind of an okay job. And it was like he should have flowed through them like water. He should have never even had to hit anybody. It should have been. Neo at the end of the Matrix, where he's just dodging and blocking and he just gets through everybody before they even realize that he's on the other side because he's that good. His kung fu is that strong. Mm -hmm. And then he does one iron fist punch and they all get knocked down and he and he moves on. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Absolutely. And that to me is sort of a really good summary of sort of my thought on the whole show is like they did a thing and they made a decision and I never want to fault a creator for just saying, this is the take we're going to do and we're going to do it. And you're like, you know what? They're not all going to be home runs. Good for you for sticking to your guns and doing what you think is correct. But I didn't like it. Mm-mm. And that's OK, too. It's OK to not like it, you know, but it was just I felt like it was too inconsistent. It felt like it was a too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe scenario. Yeah, I, I got that. And I kind of remember reading news about there being rewrites and everything else. So it didn't surprise me when the, the negative reviews started coming in. It just kind of disappointed me because I was looking for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if you're still looking forward to the Defenders, then I would say it's not a total waste. Because even after seeing this, you're still excited for the Defenders and you're still curious to see how the character is going to fit into everything else. Yeah, it's true. Now, is, is this a show? I mean... I guess it would depend if you if you're the kind of person that rewatches things. But if you ever go back and you decide to rewatch the Marvel Netflix stuff to prepare for the Defenders or whatever, are you still going to go through all of Iron Fist? Are you going to do selective episodes or would you just skip it all together? I think I would probably skip it altogether. I would probably go back and watch, again, uh, Daredevil Season 2 just because I didn't give it as much time and focus as I probably should have. It was kind of often in the background while I was doing other things and so wasn't fully engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one I'd probably go back. And I think I'd go back and watch Luke Cage again just because I I thought it was a phenomenal series. But um, uh, Jessica Jones I thought was good and I thought it was interesting. There were a lot of moments where uh, it was just hard to watch because it, because it was doing what it was doing yeah. pretty well. Yep. Um but yeah, I'm not I'm not a big I have so little time and so many things that I'm trying to get through that I'm not a big go back and watch them. Yeah. And so uh so I think you know, I certainly How about you? Um <laughs> uh, I think the same. I mean, maybe I would go back and watch uh the last couple of episodes if I was just doing a rewatch of of all of them, you know, uh mm-hmm. to prep I would I would very much like to go back and watch the other shows. I did rewatch Daredevil season one before Daredevil season two, but that is the only one I ever went back and, and rewatched. I feel like I owe Jessica Jones a second look. Many of my friends uh, consider that their favorite of the Marvel Netflix. I, my personal favorite is Daredevil season one, mm-hmm. um, just because I like the raw, well, the rawness of it and the raw emotional impact of it. Um, and, uh, it had those sort of stories. I'm a sucker for the stories of the I am doing something because somebody has to. And I cannot know that these things are going on and not get involved. Right. Um, and uh, so I, I that was why I really liked the, the first season of Daredevil. And as far as trying to do an origin story, I felt they did a very good job of it. Uh, but I feel like I owe Jessica Jones a second look. I don't know. 
I might do a selective Luke Cage someday. Um, I liked Luke Cage. Certainly there was uh, a couple episodes, the one episode about, you know, the, the cultural impact that he had mm-hmm. where people started wearing the bullet hole hoodies and stuff like that. Loved that episode. Absolutely, Absolutely. loved it. Best episode of, of that series. I think um, it landed flat for me because this whole thing was about this cultural impact of having uh, an icon and a hero and somebody to look up to. And it ended with just people punching each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It did not have necessarily the um, the the deep meaning follow through that it could. Right. And I felt like they were really sowing the seeds of something important there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I'm also kind of the same way. There's so much stuff like I was uh, I was listening to a podcast called We Can Do This All Day, which uh, unfortunately ended. Uh, that was doing story by story, every story in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that includes TV shows. So for the most part, it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. at that point. And then if they hit the time chronologically, when one of the movies were released, then they would do a movie review episode and then go back to episode by episode of agents of shield. So I started it and I God, did we get into the second season maybe of that? And, and that's when the podcast ended and they haven't put out a new episode for months. So it's like, I don't know if I'm going to keep up with that. I feel like I kind of owe it to, you know, if I'm hosting a comic book podcast and I'm talking about things more than just comics, comics and other media, uh, I feel like I should do it, but like I haven't seen any of this season of Walking Dead. I haven't seen any of this season of The Flash or Arrow or Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. Like I just dropped out of TV. Um, it's Hulu's fault because they only carry the last like three episodes of those shows. Right. So once I fell far enough behind, binging was out of the question. You're, um, you're right where I am because the same thing. I just I I took Arrow and Flash off my queue. Um, I, what, what stopped us was we hadn't watched, uh, Supergirl. We, we lost, we, we lost, uh, a couple episodes of their first season. So we stopped watching that. We didn't enjoy Legends of Tomorrow all that much. No. Um, so, so when it got to the four part crossover, we just started to try and watch Flash. We're like, okay, I'm confused as to what's going on. And so we just were like, well, we'll have to figure this out over the summer because we don't have. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like something you can necessarily jump in on because they're playing it much like comic books today where it isn't one and done stories. They're building this continuity and, and that solidifies their fan base, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that you jump in, you know you're coming in the middle of a story. And you're like, oh, shoot, clearly I need to go back and find that issue I'm missing of this miniseries. Otherwise, I can't complete this story and it's confusing. Right. So I dig that aspect of it, that it's like comics in that way. But, yeah, I've, I have so much of that that I would like to get to um, and just haven't. But, you know, when you have shows that are as quality as the Marvel Netflix, I don't know. There's so much new stuff coming out all the time. I, it's not the days when when I had just got out of college and we were poor and Netflix didn't exist except as a DVD mail delivery thing. And so you rewatch Buffy for the fifth time. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's just so much other stuff out there. There's comic series that I want to go back and reread. And instead, it's like, but not, I want to. I, I got to try something new, you know, or I'm taking suggestions from listeners and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I want to go back. I want to give them their their time. Um, I just don't know if they will. Maybe I'll do, maybe I'll pick like two episodes from each and do it as a prep thing for the defenders. That kind of yeah. sounds like a good idea or like a, the one good episode from each season of the other things. And I don't know what that would be for Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we can get you back on for defenders and we'll do this again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Always down. I love talking to you about this kind of stuff. Awesome. 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 Uh, before we start heading out, do you have any shout outs for this week? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, my shout outs for this week would be uh, the members of our, our geek to geek podcast community out there on our subreddit, which is uh, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. And the, the users like Data Error and like Fuzzy Cow and the the other folks on there that really dive in every single week and put out their own weekly geekery. Um, cause that's the really cool thing about uh, our, our, um, subreddit there is there's a thread every week called the weekly geekery and it's never started by void Bejerai. That's awesome. It's, it's always started by just one of the listeners who wants to talk about what they've been up to that week, how they were keeping it geek that week. And, um, so uh, just a big shout out to all of them because they're the ones that sort of, make it all worthwhile is knowing that you're not just screaming into the void. I guess that's tough because there's void. So screaming <laughs> at void, <laughs> just myself over the phone, but you're not you know, just shouting out into the the blackness of space that there are people on the other end listening that not only listen, but take the conversation further and start talking between themselves. Like I said, I had to hold off reading all of these wonderful, thoughtful points about uh, Iron Fist because I didn't, I wanted to be able to get out what I said, and I knew if I read it and they were smarter than me, I would, ha- <laughs> I would end up wanting to steal their points. But being able to go and then read them and engage in that conversation with them is, um, it's just the coolest thing in the world. I love doing it. That's awful. Yeah, I'm gonna definitely have to check out the subreddit because I've never been a Reddit guy, but I think no, I'm need neither to start. have I. Yeah, yeah. It's just I just have the Geek to Geek cast, and then when you start out on Reddit, they give you. Um, a certain number of things they sort of automatically subscribe you to so you can kind of just get rid of some of the ones. So I just have a couple things that I flip through and it's just neat, like the today I learned things. So you just it's a couple interesting facts, you know, you can flip through. And then for me, it's basically it's the geek to geek uh, uh, subreddit is basically the thing that I have on there. <laughs> Yeah. Very cool. My shout out this week is to my my drama students. Uh, I'm very very proud of them last weekend, and uh, always proud of them and how they relate to other schools. But they they worked hard, and then you know we always do a debrief the the week after to, to kind of say what went well, what what can be improved, yep. and um and at the end of the day, you know I think this this year we we, we took 12 percent of our school. It's a small school, but I still took like 65 kids to. That's um, huge festival. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just me. So we're, 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 I explained to them, I'm like, you know, guys, it's just me. And, and now we're making some plans to, to make some major change in the fact that they're on board for that kind of stuff and are excited about it is very invigorating. It, it makes me want to, to keep doing this. So. Yeah. And I have to imagine you must have just an awesome relationship with them because every once in a while you talk about games, you know, uh, with, with some of your students and, um, and the idea that you're you're shouting out to your students, are they regular listeners of your podcast too? And if so, what do they think about that? I've never had a teacher that was like, listen to my podcast, you know? Um, a couple of them do. I think more alumni than anything else because my I, I actually allow my alumni to, to friend me on Facebook where gotcha. I don't have any current students really friended. Um, okay. And so, so I'll get... Um, messages from like their their younger brothers and sisters that I'm teaching that you know hey my brother says he's listening to your podcast and really enjoys it so I get I get that kind of feedback but uh, um, I think this last week or, or two weeks ago I had a student come up to me and ask me about podcasting to start their own podcast cool and so they're aware I just don't know how 
Okay. Well, we will assume that they all listen and they're just too embarrassed to tell you. <laughs> very possible. Very possible. <laughs> uh, coming up next week, as, as we mentioned before, we're going to be talking uh, GMing and especially GMing for actual play podcast. Joe Della Bella from the You Meet in a Tavern. I mean, finally, finally make the plunge into an actual play. Do so, it. Yes. So, so tune in for that next week. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgray. Uh, where can we find you? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ComicBoxCast. That is different. We updated our Twitter once Liam joined me. It used to be Rob's Comic Box, so it's at ComicBoxCast. Uh, the subreddit that I that I mentioned before, uh, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash geek to geek cast. Uh, we have a website where you can sign up for updates on our shows. That's geek to geek cast.net. And lastly, uh, you can send... Uh, I always I always forget this. It was a thing that that Liam threw out on the show. You can send diatribes but not manifestos to <laughs> us at uh, the comic box podcast at gmail dot com. Awesome. I don't awesome. I don't know I don't know why that was his stipulation, but I was like, yeah, you can send us your notes, your your if there's things you want us to review or whatever. Be like, you can send us just long diatribes, and he's like, no manifestos though. <laughs> it's, I'm assuming it's, fair. He was being it's a fair filled. request. <laughs> yeah, I assume he was just making a joke. But as with all things in in geek culture, things that are jokes that are seen as funny become canon. Yeah, I was and say, are an established. <laughs> they are an established part of that geekery. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for for well, for first suffering through Iron Fist for me this week. But uh, thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast this week, and and we will definitely have to do it again, definitely for Defenders, and and hopefully before then. I'm always down anytime. Awesome. And for all of you listening out there, remember this week, keep it geek. <laughs> <laughs>